Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I, have, a, I have a message for you guys today that um, I've, been, I've been waiting for the opportunity to give it, and we'll see how far I get to go with this based on time. But uh, I, I, how many of you guys know that, that it's important to have good theology, the understanding of the word of truth? How many of you know that, that when you understand the word and you believe it with faith, that it actually brings power into your life? And it brings correction and it brings alignment and it, 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 it makes you somebody who, who can receive all the, the benefits of the kingdom of God in accordance to that which you are believing. Amen? So I'm hoping to hit on some important theology right now, but, but I hope it's going to go more than just that. And... and God give me the ability to get through this with the time I have because I I want to I'm going to take it to a place where it's going to go from theology to practical application. All right. <clears throat> Last night I was putting David down and and uh, he was up a lot through the night and he was, he was actually was having some uh, some warfare stuff going on and. And after a while, I, I decided I needed to go up to his room and spend a little time with him. It's getting late. And I was trying to just give him a little bit of training and equipping on how to overcome these things. And, uh, and, it, and it was good. I, something shifted eventually where, where he started realizing that he needs to focus on Jesus instead of the scary stuff. Amen? How many of you know that's a real key? <laughs> And, and peace came on him. He started actually falling into sleep pretty quick, and that was pretty cool. But as he was in that, that transitional phase where, because he was like so alert, and like all of a sudden he started getting to that place where he's like, and you could see him like sinking in. And, but while he's in that, um, I was just loving on him, and, and I told him I'm proud of him and that he's a, he's a champion and stuff like that. And after I thought he dozed off, he said, I'm proud of you too, Daddy. I said, what are you proud of me for? And he said, you, he said you are, you're working hard all the time for the church and just to, to, get, to get it to where God's doing things. <laughs> my, li- my little boys validating me. That's awesome. And then he said, he said I'm confident in you too, Dad. I said, confident in what? And he said, that you're going to change the world. Come on. And he said, and I'm going to change the world with you. Come on. I believe it. I believe it. How many of you know that God is actually, like he's, he's not just trying to have church. He, he's trying to raise up people to change the world. Come on. I've, been, I've done a series the, the, for several weeks, and I was calling it God's Version of You. And I love that title. Because that title needs to remind us that God's version of us is far surpassing our self-versions of us. And we need to get our self-versions of us in agreement with His version. Amen? And so I spent weeks... Just on the first, I think, eight chapters of Ephesians 1, right? First eight verses, I mean, Ephesians 1, and going deep. And the last message I gave you guys from Ephesians, I I started tying it in to God restoring you to your origins and and showing how the, the redemptive work of the cross actually is to restore us back to God's original design with Adam and Eve and the human race before the fall of man. And I, I want to say that if you want to understand the, the total um, purposes of God, 
with the cross and with redemption and reconciliation, it's actually to, we, we can actually find where he's trying to take us when you look at what he was doing with Adam and Eve before the fall. Thank God he's not just restoring us back to Adam as in the first Adam, but he's restoring us into a much greater Adam that's called the, the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. Because Adam, the first Adam, didn't stand a chance that you and I stand because we're in Jesus, and he actually wasn't yet. All right? But, but you remember that verse that says that the, Jesus is the lamb that was slain from before the foundations of the world. Right? And, and somehow he, the, the cross was, is from, it's in this place that I don't understand it, and we're not, we don't have to understand all things. If we can try to fit God into our understanding, we've reduced him down to a mere human. So he surpasses, he's mysterious, but, but uh, somehow the cross actually eternally exists. I believe it's in, the, in an eternal present place that, that existed before God even created the, or the earth. can blow our minds. doesn't matter. It's a real thing. So I, I want to dive in because I, I spent on that last sermon about this when I think I called it um, restore, Restored to Our Origins. And if you haven't heard it, maybe you should go back and listen to the podcast because it's important stuff. All right, but um, I talked about how God was restoring our identity back to what he always created us to be. And today I want to I kind of go right back to that place, but kind of take it to the next place that I didn't have time to hit that time. And I'm going to read several verses, but I'll start off with Ephesians 1.7, because that's where we kind of went into from the beginning on this. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood. And redemption is that word that means that he, he paid a price to bring us back to what he originally had for us before it was taken away. So he redeemed us back to him because we've been separated from him because of sin. All right? We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so God is redeeming humanity. That's what Jesus came on this earth for as a human being to die on the cross and resurrect, it's so that he can set the captives free. So he can set us free from the bondage of being expelled out of his kingdom because of sin and, and breaking all the barriers and bringing us back into himself to restore us back to the original plan. A family. Come on. And he created an earth to put mankind on it in the holiness of his kingdom to own this place. Amen? All right? So he's trying to, through redemption, he's trying to get our humanness back into his family. All right? So he restored us from the fall of man. He's restoring us to our origins, the pre-fallen state, except better in Christ now. All right? Colossians 1, 13 through 14 by the way, Colossians and Ephesians, they're pretty much like they intertwine with each other. Just a little nugget for your own personal study. Pretty powerful to see the, how, when you read them both and you see how they, how they coordinate with each other, it'll, it'll start opening up new realms of revelation. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of of the son of his love. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. Humankind came under the power of darkness when they, when they chose to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And, and they who were supposed to be the king and queen of this earth forfeited every bit of their authority and power and dignity to Satan who deceived them. He knew that if he could get them to do this, that they were actually yielding all of that to him, and he would become the God of this world. Okay? That's exactly what happened. So, so Adam and Eve were, were shifted into darkness, and, and then they born 
the human race under bondage and curse. And you look around the world right now and, you, and, and we wonder, why is it not getting better? Well, that's what it looks like out there. Under that domain, okay? That's what it looks like. But, but Jesus delivered us from the power of darkness. That word power in, in the Greek is exousia. It's authority. <clears throat> All right, It's the authority of darkness. He, he transferred us into his son. So, so as human race was expelled out of the kingdom, out of the garden, Jesus is bringing us back into his kingdom. Out of, out of darkness, into his freedom, into his light. Hallelujah. Who's thankful? We take it for granted. Who's thankful that Jesus set you free from the kingdom of darkness? Come on. And it goes on. It says, in whom, talking about Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So the whole work of redemption was actually to bring us back into his kingdom, setting us free from all the corruption and bondage. He who the Son set free is free indeed. Hallelujah. When we understand what he's done for us, he's actually broken all the chains of darkness. He brought us into his kingdom of light, of freedom, wholeness, total restoration. Hallelujah. The only people who have received Christ and are still experiencing brokenness and bondage, curse, are those who just don't understand what he's already given to you and you actually own it and don't even know it. He who the Son set free is free indeed. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You're as free as you believe you are. You're as free as you believe you are. You're as bound as you believe you are. You're as cursed as you believe you are. But you're as free as you believe you are. <laughs> Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, such so as talking about the children of the human race. We all were born into flesh and blood, okay? He himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same. He, he, he was God. He always has been God, the divine, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. But he, but he chose, this was his first great part of his sacrifice, not just the cross, laying down, that his, his deity, he never stopped being God, but he took off all the attributes of his godliness, his godlikeness, or whatever, however you want to word it, put it on the altar, I worship you, Father, I'm going to go save the human race now. Stripped himself, went, and became a human, flesh and blood. Why would he do that? I'll tell you why, because we're going to keep reading. It says that through death, because you can only die if you have physical flesh and blood right so the goal wasn't just flesh and blood it was death right but not just that that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death destroy the devil who had the power of death Jesus took flesh on himself. The very thing that was going to happen to Adam if he disobeyed God, he was going to die. And Jesus came so he could have a body on himself so that he could die to retrieve everything that Adam yielded to Satan. That he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Jesus didn't just die to save you. 
He also died so he could crush Satan and destroy him, take away all the power that he had over death to to receive it back to himself and to set us free from that very thing, to release us. Hallelujah. (laughs) Powerful. Satan was just a slithering lizard that Adam and Eve had dominion and authority over. But he lied to them, he tricked them, he deceived them into yielding so that he could give them this idea that, that they're going to they're gonna be some, become something greater, they're going to become like God when God had already created them in his own image and they were with God in union with him. But if I can get you to want to be something as if you're not already like it, you're going to splice yourself off and no longer be unified with the very thing that held you together. And then he, he knew that, he would be, that they would be surrendering themselves, and he became their Lord. All right? I talked about this stuff a few weeks ago. But Jesus, in, in the Bible, a lot of times it'll talk about keys, and, and keys actually represent authority and access. People who have the keys are the ones who have the rights to have the keys. If they don't have the keys, then they've stolen it. It's not theirs. It's not supposed to be. But guess what? Satan didn't just steal the keys. He actually tricked them into handing them over to him. They submitted them to him. The one that they were supposed to have authority over. They said, they didn't even have a clue that they were doing this. I will yield all my authority to you, Satan. Here you go. Have authority over me. Come and curse me and rape me and, and destroy me and make me insane. Destroy my families, my friends. They had no idea. But that's exactly what Satan wanted to do. But Jesus, hallelujah, We can't take this stuff for granted, my friends. Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Come on. Jesus couldn't have rightfully taken those keys if he didn't become a human it, it took a human to lose them. It took a human to retrieve them. All right? Jesus took back from Satan what he had robbed humanity of. Hallelujah. And that word redemption is such a powerful word. It's more than just I got saved and got forgiven. Remember I was saying, sorry, God, it's okay. Sorry, I did you wrong. It's okay. It's way more than that. uh, Maybe there's more than what I'm getting ready to say, but but I, I can think of three phases of what redemption brings to our lives, right? Phase one, our identity gets restored back to its origins. So we start understanding who we actually are. Okay? The next one, our purpose is restored back to its origins. He's not just wanting to give us identity. He's wanting to give us purpose. And phase three, our administration of his kingdom on this earth becomes restored. All right? So God, the redemption process in our lives, he's trying to make us whole. And then, and, but he doesn't want to just stop at whole, all right? He wants to get us whole so that he can put his authority on us, so that we can take it out into the world and change the world. Yes. Hallelujah. Now I want to read what God said over Adam and Eve when he created them. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, 
Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Everybody say dominion. dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Everybody say dominion over all the earth. Dominion over all the earth. Wow. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So even dominion over creeps. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Everybody say, I'm blessed. blessed. And God said to them, be fruitful. Everybody say, be fruitful. fruitful. And multiply. Fill the earth. And subdue it. Have dominion. Come on. says, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God had big plans for Adam and Eve. And when Jesus came to restore us, to redeem us, to reconcile us, it's to actually put us back into the very powerful place that he always created, always, always intended. So God blessed them. God said, be fruitful. And I want to tell you that be fruitful, there, there's some things to, t- to consider on this. What you bear fruit of is going to be determined by what you are filled with. Fruit is an outward manifestation of an inward substance. God's, God's wanting his people to bear fruit, and he wants fruit to be good fruit. He wants it to be the kind of fruit that people can say, taste and see that the Lord is good. What are you stuffing yourself with? What are you filling yourself with? Is that the thing that you want to to multiply out through the earth? (laughs) Sometimes when I see bad behaviors in my kids and then I remember, oh man, I think they saw that one from me. I have to do a self-evaluation. I think that maybe... (laughs) Maybe there's something coming out of me. Something coming out of me that, that, that maybe I need, to, I need to work on that one. All right? Be fruitful. So bear outward fruit of the substance that you fill yourself with. All right? Make sure you're filled with what you want to come out of you. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You can, you can try as best as you want to, to put on Christianese and, and, and put on a mask and false things to say, but don't worry, it's going to come out of you sometime if that's not what's really in you. It, it will. But when you put the word and you put truth in you, it's going to come out, it's going to overflow. And it's not just about what we say, it's about how we live, how we... People, if, you, if you're around somebody long enough, you can almost smell... Uh, protruding off them the way that they live in their daily life, all right? Just a thing. Our inner world determines our outward experience, all right? So that's be fruitful and multiply. God, God actually wants us to be bearing his kingdom from within and bearing it out, and we can invest it into the people around us, and it'll actually, it'll actually impart to people, and it'll be multiplied. He's trying to grow his his body of Christ in this world. He's trying to, trying to win the loss. He's trying to expand his kingdom. And it comes through multiplication. And then he says, fill the earth. And filling the earth means expansion. And it means overflowing what's happening inside. Overflow it out. Bear fruit. And then it overflows more. It multiplies. And guess what? The more you're doing that, momentum keeps increasing until you start filling the earth. The world around you. That's the kind of way that God wants us to be living is the, is the environments, our world that we, that we live in. Everybody's got your, your world, right? He wants that world to be transformed with his kingdom. But it starts within and it works its way out. Jesus, help me because I know I've got way more to say than the time I have. But we're going to get there. The word dominion, he, he, said, he says take dominion, he says have dominion. He actually gave Adam and Eve dominion. They didn't even have to work for that dominion, it was handed to them. Okay, but, but, we, but it got lost. So now redemption means we've got to take it back. 
So now we have to take dominion, all right? Get it? Take dominion. And that's what I'm focusing on today. The word dominion in Hebrew is radah, and it means to rule over a domain. And God wants to give his people domains, right? He wants to give us domains. And the kingdom is, it means the king's domain. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom is in your midst. He, he wants us to live our lives under the king's domain. Okay? And then that word subdue is such a powerful word. Subdue the earth. Whoa. That, that word subdue is the Hebrew word kabash. And it means to conquer, to subjugate, to violate, to bring into bondage, force, keep under, subdue, bring into subjection. Now, God's not trying to create crusades and, and all that stuff like in the past. That's not his version of this. Jesus proved that. They were like, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And they thought he was going to overtake Rome. He's like, no, you, you don't understand the kingdom I've come. But, but still, in the, in the kingdom of God perspective, there still mean, needs to be a subduing and taking dominion. Looks different. Looks more like setting captives free than it looks like overtaking and bringing people into captivity. Go and set captives free. What you're doing, what we're taking dominion over is actually the lordship of Satan that's no longer supposed to be his anymore. And that we go and we break his powers everywhere we go, setting captives free. That's taking dominion. That's, that's subduing the earth. Come on. Right now, it's more of a restoration project than it is a building project, all right? But the, the job description for God's children was to conquer the world and take dominion to fill the earth with his kingdom, and the job never changed, all right? Jesus came to restore that. He gave us the Great Commission. The Great Commission really is the New Covenant version of what God gave Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Take authority, take dominion, subdue the earth. It's, it's about taking the gospel into the kingdom. He says you will make disciples. He didn't just say you're going to make a bunch of individual disciples in nations. He actually says you're going to make disciples of nations. Whoa, that's a whole nother level. But we've got to start on the levels that we're at, all right? But this is all about the power of, of God's authority that he's given to us. In Revelations 1.6, it says, and, and God has made us kings and priests to his God, for, his God and Father. This is what Jesus made of us. Kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Come on. It's about dominion. It's about a domain. It's a kingdom, a king's domain. But he's made us kings and priests. Whoa. How many of you might want to venture to say that God's got more in store for you on this earth than what you might be currently experiencing? All right? He's made us kings and priests with God. Revelation 5.10, it says, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on this earth. Whoa. We shall reign on this earth. Wow. That word reign is a powerful word. It's talking about having rulership. It's about taking dominion. It's about, it's about having authority and walking in it. All right? <laughs> Help me, Jesus, I've got so many things to say. This is going to be a two-parter. I already know that. If you don't like this message, you already have an excuse to miss next week. But ask Jesus first, because he's going to tell you you need to come back. <laughs> I'm going to do what I can. In the, in the mid-90s, I went to Bible college, 
um, World Harvest Bible College in Ohio. It was, it was great, a great year. And in that season, in, that, in those few years, not just at college, but even following that, <clears throat> the Lord was, had me in a real focused season of, of learning what it means to have the authority of Christ. Because Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now go. And he was actually delegating his authority to those who obey him and enter into the, the life that he's called us to, all right? He's delegating authority. He's putting his, the badge of his name on us, and we get to carry that with the same authority that Jesus walks in. If we do it his way, if we do it our way, it's not very powerful, all right? But I was in this focused season of learning about my authority in Christ. And, and I, I even remember that uh, several different times that, um, that I did deliverances on people, cast demons out of people, and they got free. It was awesome. We have more authority in the name of Jesus than we realize. And this one night, I, was, I lived in Greenfield, and I, I, sometimes I'd go on prayer walks and I was, I was by myself this one evening, me and Jesus, and who, however many angels were hanging out with me. And I was really pressing into this thing, and I'm like, God, I know that you've given us authority and that you want to the, the, bring principalities and powers down, and you want to bring the kingdom of God in, and you've given us authority. And I, I, I want you to keep raising me up as a mighty man of God who's going to crush the kingdom of Satan. And right after I said that, a chihuahua jumped out at me. And I jumped out of my skin. I was freaked out. Right after I'm like talking about taking the devil down, a little chihuahua scared me the, the you-know-what out of me. And I could hear God belly laughing at me. It's like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I was proving myself that day. But, but he kept working it in me. I, that was just a, f a funny moment with God, but he kept working it in me. I remember um, somewhere around that time, we were in Knightstown, a bunch of us from church. We were trying to do an outreach thing, and we were going door to door doing surveys. And um, <clears throat> not my style now, but going to every door, asking people these questions to kind of take them towards the gospel. And I was with my uncle, and we got to this one house that had a, a fence around it, and there was this huge, mean dog. Like, I mean, I think it was demon-possessed, maybe. And that, that thing didn't want us anywhere near that house. And my uncle was like, well, we'll just pass this house and go to the next one. <clears throat> but I, I felt in my spirit, the Lord gave me a faith in that moment that said, you have dominion over animals. All right? You have dominion over animals. And so I took a moment, and I, and I, I just kind of went into my heart. I felt the Lord drop a peace inside of me that, that said, don't let, don't let your situation determine how you're feeling about yourself. All right? I, I found his peace in me that, that helped me to not even think anything about the dog being angry. And, I, and the Lord reminded me that he's actually given us dominion and he's restoring that to us. And that he's given us authority over animals. And I said, David, you can stay over there, but I feel like God wants me to go on in. He's like, he, he highly recommended me not, but, but he, he, was, he, he trusted me. And I went in and that dog I held my hand out, and I loved on it or something, and it shut up, and it sat down, and it was quiet the whole time, and I was able to do what I needed to do, and then we, and then we left, and David was like, that, I don't, that was something I think he still remembers. It was crazy, but I took dominion by meditating on who I am and whose I am, all right, because God's restoring authority and a dominion over us how many of you know that that when you know who you are and the authority that you carry the animals know that it's true and they also know 
when you don't know who you are. They can tell the difference. And, de- and, and how you're doing in there is going to determine how they're going to act to you. All right? And, you know, maybe, maybe it's a good, would be a good litmus test for you to figure out, do, do you really believe in who you are? Maybe, maybe go find a junkyard and cross the barrier and see if that Rottweiler is going to bite your leg off or not. How, how about that? Think you, think you want to test it? I'm just messing with you. Just joking. But, but not only do animals have the ability to sense if you know who you are and the authority that you have, so do the devils. All right? You can, you can be whipping your Jesus badge all, the, all around you. And if you don't know who you are, but, you think, but you're trying really hard to know who you are, but you, but you, don't, you don't get it, the devil knows. He knows. And so do angels. Angels know if you know who you are or not. And, and when you know who you are, you're, you're, you're coming into sync, into union with Jesus and his authority. All right? You, you're, you're, you're coming into oneness with Jesus' authority when you truly know who you are. And, and demons obey, all right? And angels are drawn to us when they see us functioning and, and when, when we know what God's version is of us, all right? How we are doing inside and in our belief of who we are is going to determine the effects that we're going to have in the spirit world. And if we don't get it, they know. The, the amount of authority that you walk in is going to be a direct reflection of the substance within you. I, I've been thinking about Acts 19, 11 through 20. It, it, it's Paul and his team were in, if, if, sorry, I was going to say in Ephesians. No. He wrote Ephesians. They were in Ephesus. All right? And, and God was showing up crazy powerfully. Crazy powerfully. And it was so powerful, the anointing was on them so powerful that he would be holding handkerchiefs and aprons and that the anointing would soak in to the fabric, saturated, tangible, power, Going into that. And with the power, somehow, I don't, I don't understand this, but with, the, with that dunamis power, it also contains the exousia, the, the authority power. And it's so powerful that they would take those cloths to people who were not anywhere near him, and, and bodies would be healed miraculously by being touched by that thing. And demons would scream leaving people in the presence. So deliverances, just by being in proximity of cloth that had been saturated by the overflow of Paul's inner world. (laughs) Because Paul knew who he was. Paul didn't just have some gifting and anointing that landed on still an orphan mentality. As long as I'm gifted and anointed, I'll be able to do such and such. No, he lived this from the inside out. The overflow, the fruit is an outward manifestation of an inward reality. He lived from this. Come on. And demons fled. But, but in the same story, it talks about these priests, the, they call them itinerant priests. They would travel around and go places, and, and they were exorcists. And they would go, and, and they didn't have Jesus, but they heard about Jesus and, and Paul's ministry. 
And they would go around and they would try to cast out demons saying that the, the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches come out of them. And maybe some came out, I'm not sure, but there was, there was these, this group of brothers, the seven sons of Sceva, and they were doing it. Come out in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. The devil can see what's real in you. And so can angels. We need to know what's real in us. And the, and the outward dominion is a reflection of an inward dominion. All right? Because those sons of Sceva didn't have substance. Come out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Jesus I know. Paul I know. How do they know Paul? Because he has substance, the Christ within him, living from, his, from God's version of him. Outward power, outward authority from an inward reality. Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who the heck are you? And then, the, and then this one guy like, he, I don't. I could just imagine, like he looked crazy. He's, he's like flailing and going after him, and beats him up, rips their clothes to shred, and they all seven of them run out naked. <laughs> it's wild. And and following that that part of the story, it says that the great fear of the Lord came to the city. They weren't afraid of the demon. They were afraid of the Lord. Because now they saw on display people who, who have the, the, the outward ministry. They bear the name of Jesus. And they're, doing, they're trying to do the stuff. But they don't have the true substance inside. And they can see a distinguishing... Of someone who has an outward, an outward visibility of a powerful life. And they see that in, co in contrast to a man who, who's not trying to just be seen and, do, and doing all the stuff, but he's actually living day in, day out a, a, a life that's completely yielded to the Lord every day, pressing into his identity. I know who I am. He's, he wrote the best books on identity. I've been crucified with Christ. It's not even I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. People who live from that reality have substance that comes from the inside out. There's a distinguishing. That's why I was saying that, that the authority that we carry is going to be a direct reflection of, of the substance within us. When we know who we are, and we try to step out and do the things that God has called us to do, the, the identity, the groundedness in Christ actually gives us mass. It's like body mass in the spirit. It, it gives us, there's weightiness. The, when we speak his words, there's actually power that comes, that follows behind it. Because it's, it's an outward manifestation of an inward Reality. Come on. <laughs> right now I'm asking Holy Spirit for wisdom how to break this into a two-parter. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish with this and then uh, hopefully we'll pick it up next week here. But first Corinthians 924, if, if we were to ask the question, how did Paul have so much spiritual authority? How did he walk in that kind of power? A city was transformed. I, I, I didn't even finish the story that the fear of God came to Ephesus so powerfully that, that people were driven to come and lay their lives down for Jesus. And there are people who did witchcraft and magic and, and tarot cards, all that kind of stuff. 
That, that was big in their city. And, and they came and they repented to the Lord and brought all the stuff of their lives that was not pleasing to the Lord and they heaped it up in the piles so they could burn it. So much money was worth that they couldn't even count the cost of it. But God brought revival to that city and it came through repentance. But that was like a, that was a, a, a that's, that's what you look like when you take dominion. You, you, you bring the king into a domain, all right? That's the kind of stuff that God's looking to do. But it starts by people who know how to do it within yourself. Because it's an outward manifestation of an inward reality. You guys all right? That's where I'm going to have to leave it today. I have, I have places I wanted to take this thing. But my stomach growled a while ago, so I know that's a sign that some of y'all's are too. That's not really why. I'm just trying to honor the time here. But we'll, we'll go into this more next week. But uh, I just want to say, like, God, God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. All right? But the Lord is trying to restore us back to our origins. And, he, and, and part of that is coming into an understanding of who we are in Him. Made in the image of God. We're new creations. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Wow. He's, he's restoring us to the very thing that He always dreamed of us being. And it starts from the inside like God is depending on his people to change the world there's like that Ephesus was riddled with occult it was riddled with darkness and sin probably sexual perversion all kinds of stuff probably not much different than 2021 America all right doesn't matter because God showed up all right God showed up but he showed up not not from the people who bear the name of Jesus and are trying to do the stuff but they don't have the substance within it's from the people who are getting the real thing on the inside I want to tell you that what happens in you is far more important than what happens through you. What, what, you, what you have going on inside of you is more, is more important than what's going on that you're doing and accomplishing, right? Because God knows that when He gets His image in us through and through, we can't help but to bear fruit. You don't... An apple tree doesn't work hard to make apples. It just got to stay the course and be healthy, stay grounded, keep drawing from the source, because apples are an outward manifestation of an inward reality. All right? It's a substance from within that comes out. And God will change the world if we will live the life in Him the way He wants us to. It'll happen. There, will come a, there comes the time when he says, go, and we go and do it. But first, and he says, he says, go and make disciples, right? But guess what? He was talking to disciples who had been getting discipled for a good season first. They couldn't go make disciples until they became disciples first. He said, you will teach them how to obey the Father and baptize them in my name, all that stuff. Well, how do you do that? except you, you get it in you first. You can only give away what you have. And so the Lord's trying to heal us, guys. He's trying to restore us. He's trying to, to get us into our true realities because he's got so many exciting, amazing, world-impacting things ahead of us. But he's doing the inner work first because if we try to do that before we get the inner work first, we'll be like the sons of Sceva. Did you just hear me? Yeah. 
If we try to get ahead of, of the inner workings of God, it would be like the sons of Sceva. I'm in this for the long haul, all right? I, I want better impacts up ahead by getting it done right inside. Get it done and right inside, the world is going to be changed. It's going to be exponential increase. Come on, I'm going to leave it with that. Why don't you guys stand? <clears throat> I, I love it when I have more notes than I can preach because I already have my notes for the next sermon. <laughs> That's like a bonus. <laughs> All right. God, I thank you so much for these amazing sons and daughters of God. I thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you paid a high price to redeem us, Lord, and to set us free from darkness so you could transfer us into your kingdom. You retrieved us from bondage, and you retrieved authority back into your hands, and you put the authority on us. Help us, Lord, to, to grow in our understanding of who we are, and, and that you'll build a substance in us increasingly, God, of that union with you the intimacy, the truth. In Jesus' name, Lord, build us with substance, and I pray that through that we're going to see an increase of manifested authority, that when we speak your word, we'll, we'll experience the mass, the, the weight, the power behind it by what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen.